Hey guys, welcome to Library Overload. We are Tavia and Susie. Hey. And we really appreciate all the love and support that we've gotten. And we appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to our crazy shenanigans. Uh, Don't forget that if you hear a book that you like that we're talking about and you want to know more, please check out our website. And that is libraryoverload.home.blog. talking about what we've read so far this year so basically what we've talked what we've read in January so my first book and I love that I started out the year with this is The Good Neighbor The Life and Work of Fred Rogers by Maxwell King that's adorable Uh, it's it started my year out perfectly because Fred Rogers is like like a saint okay let's first of all this small tangent my stepdaughter said that she had the Fred Rogers song stuck in her head once. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you know, Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I said, you mean like Mr. Rogers? Show him respect. You need to show the man some respect, guys. <laughs> he he earned the title Mr. And that's mm. what we'll call him. So we'll oh. do away with the Fred from now on. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it's always Mr. Rogers. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I just, I thought it was amazing. Like it follows him from... A very young child until his death. So it's a oh, huge cool. book. It was maybe 450 pages. Like oh, it was wow. a it was a chunk. Like it took me a minute to get through it. It was fantastic. So some of the things that I took away from it that I didn't know about him was that he was born into a lot of money. His family was very wealthy. Oh wow. But they instilled in him from a from the very beginning, they were very charitable. Like his father he owned big business. His father knew when employees were struggling and he would make sure to get their Thanksgiving dinner or he would make sure that they got an extra in their bonus Mm -hmm. or something like that. His mother ran several charities. Both of them were very, very good about making sure that he gave back after they had so much money. Like, so when he was, when he was about, I, don't, I think he was like eight or 10. He started to learn how to play piano. His grandmother asked him if this was something that he thought he might want to continue. And when he said yes, she bought him a $3,000 piano. So this was back in wow. the 40s, 50s. So that was oh worth $130,000 back then. He kept that piano until wow. the day he died. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. And he wrote all of his stuff on it. Aww. Like, I just, oh, I, I loved it so much. I didn't know he was a musician. He wrote all the songs, the music. He played the piano for everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's he was really cool. He was quite prolific. He wrote everything on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and the shows before that. Oh, that's pretty too. cool. Yeah, he was fantastic. And I kept going through the book and I kept writing down all the stuff that he says. Like I wrote down, you rarely have time for everything you want in this life. So you need to make choices. Hopefully your choices can come from a deep sense of who you are. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm just, are you kidding me? Right. Like that's You're so that's amazing. amazing. And so starting out the year with this book, like it set you up. Yeah, I just I've I've tried really hard on focusing on kindness and trying to understand other people's their walk in life and mm-hmm. they're going through an entirely different struggle than I am and so it's just it kind of just permeated this sense of kindness and mm. forgiveness. He 
like when he passed away, the horrible church in Kansas, Westboro, they picketed his funeral. How do you picket Mr. Rogers? I know. It's because he was okay with gay people. All right. Yeah. And so to live a life like Mr. Rogers, God, like, oh, I just, I cried. I bawled reading it. Like he passed away from cancer. And mm -hmm, he was, oh, I don't remember how old he was. He was in his 70s when he died. And in the book, he spoke of when the nurses, he he wasn't in a hospital when he died. He died at home. And when the nurses came up and finally set him up with a catheter, he was so thankful that he didn't have to burden his family with having to carry him to and from the bathroom. Aww. Like, why are you so amazing? Like, ah, oh, I just, I can't. A ball of precious. I, I bawled when I knew he, I know he died. Like, right. I, I know, I remember hearing about him dying and crying. Like, he just had such huge impact on my life when I was a kid. And so in the book, I knew it was coming, and yet I still bawled. <laughs> right. Like, oh, I, I just, that. I thought it was wonderful. I want to be like Mr. Rogers when I grow up. <laughs> right? I mean, that was not even remotely on my radar. But, I mean, hearing you talk about it, maybe maybe I'll give it a it's, shot. It's so good. It is very long, mm-hmm. but it, his life is fascinating. Like, right. It's, he did a lot. Yeah, he That's did. That's really cool. I didn't realize he had done a lot of the things that he did. Oh, yeah. Pretty cool. Well, over on my side of the world, we've actually talked about in our few episodes a lot of the books that I've read already. So, like, we've we've talked about Educated, Ready Player One, Dumplin'. We're going to talk about another one in our next episode. Yes. So, I'll leave that one as a shocking surprise. <laughs> so, I've, I don't have as many to talk about mm-hmm. as Susie's going to have. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I've read, I've really enjoyed. So I'm going to start with The Clockmaker's Daughter. This is by Kate Morton. I, I saw that you recently yes, finished this. I did. I loved it. I have no idea what it's about. Um, I have struggled with my thought on how to describe this book without Ooh. giving it away. It's very interesting. So, okay. In... 1862, a group of artists go to a house on the river for the summer. And they're going to spend a month there, like, being artists and enjoying the summer or whatever. Mm -hmm. By the end of the summer, um, and and the main painter that owns the house, his name is Edward Radcliffe. Okay. Okay, So by the end of the summer, someone has been shot dead. One uh, one woman is dead. One woman is missing. Oh. And a priceless family heirloom has been stolen. My goodness. And Edward Radcliffe's life, which seems to be on an upward trajectory, is now in ruins. Um, And he doesn't, he basically dies of grief uh, several years later. Fast forward to the future in 2017, this girl Elodie Winslow, and I really like that name, Elodie. It's really cute. Sometimes these authors with their made up names drive me crazy. I think this is because this is a British author. I think that's a British name. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like Melody, but they're like, eh, the M's too much. Right. So it's Elodie. Okay. Um, so she is an archivist, which I think is amazing. Is that how you pronounce that word? That's how I'm pronouncing it. I thought it was archivist. I thought it was archivist. Go ahead. However you guys want to pronounce it, it's fine with me. She archives things for this firm. Um, and going through some of the archives, she finds a, um, a leather satchel. 
And inside of it are two seemingly unrelated things. One is an artist's sketchbook, and one is a picture of a woman, like an actual photograph of a Victorian woman. So she goes through piecing together what these things are and what they reference and basically reconstructs the story of what happened in the summer of 1862. So you find out how someone died, mm-hmm. who, where the missing right. person went. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the story is told in a in several different points of view. Okay. In all of this, not the part about Elodie, but the, the previous part, most of it takes place at this specific house. Okay. So there's a presence at the house that is an unknown, unnamed presence that tells a lot of the story. And you in basically the jacket it says my name has been forgotten by history. That's like the opening. Oh. Yeah. So you're also trying to figure out who the person is that's telling the story. But she tells the story of everyone who's lived in that house since 1862. Wow. And how every bit of every person's story adds up to a life. And how they're all interconnected. And how, like, for me, this was just, like, this magical world that she wove fate and time and, like, twisting the stories together with a vivid ability to draw me into another time and another place. And I really enjoy historical mm-hmm. fiction, um, which is kind of what this was. It's mystery. It's romance. It's secrets. You don't find out, like, the very, very end what happened. Mm. And it's just, it was brilliant. Now, it's a really big book. It's 485 pages. Wow. So it's it's a commitment. Sure. But I loved every single bit of it. It's probably one of the, my favorite books that I've read this year. Nice. I absolutely loved it. Well, that's great. Yeah. My next book is The Dinner List by Rebecca Searle. So this one I kind of heard about a few podcasters that talked about it. Uh, I'd seen it on the like bookstagram and all of that. So the premise is everyone at some point in their life has talked about if you could have five people at a dinner party, who would you invite? This book is based on a woman named Sabrina. It's her 30th birthday. She and her best friend have a pact that every year on their birthdays, they always meet up and have dinner together. Well, Sabrina shows up for her 30th birthday dinner, and it's all five people that she had once discussed wanting to invite to a dinner party. So it's... Audrey Hepburn, her best friend, a previous boyfriend, her estranged father, and then a professor that she loved in college. Oh, wow. Not loved loved as in romance, like a professor that she really enjoyed in college. It's been weeks since I've read this, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Oh, wow. Like, I guess it's amazing that I'm still thinking about it, and it's still kind of bugging me. But it was, so she shows up, and you meet all five people, and it's like, oh, there's Audrey Hepburn. That's weird. And then you kind of meet each person that's at the dinner party, and you find out kind of their history, their backstory, their relationship, and all of that. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I... I liked it. It made me cry. Shocker. And it was it was very interesting. It was a contemporary, uh, it was contemporary literature, which isn't normally my kind of thing. Right. I don't know. I don't know what I feel. Like it's, it's, it's so strange. It was such an interesting concept. And so I, I was, I just thought like, of course I want right. to read this. And I don't know. Do you know who you would have on your list? Hmm. That's a good question. 
Um, I feel like Freddie Mercury would definitely be on my list. That's interesting. He fascinates me. Yeah. Like, but I don't, I don't know. That's far too difficult a question. I think like, Oprah would be on my list. Oh, that's a good one too. I think Princess Diana would be on my list. Really? She, I mean, she's interesting, but I don't think I'd want to have dinner with her. Oh, I find her fascinating. Mm. Yeah. I, I guess I, I really, that would be, that's a hard thing to narrow down right, specifically just, five, just yeah. five people. Yeah. I have no idea, but no, it was super interesting. And I, yeah, I, I still think about it and I still don't know if I loved it, if I hated it, like it's just, interesting. I know it's, it's the, one of the weirdest books I've ever mm-hmm. read just because I don't know how I feel. So I guess that means that it's a fantastic book because I'm still thinking about right. it weeks later. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. It was, it was very interesting. If you like that premise, mm-hmm. like it's super cool yeah. and it's, it's, it took me just a couple of hours to read it. It's, nice. it's relatively short. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, please somebody read it and talk to me about it because <laughs> I, I need someone to tell me what to right. think. <laughs> right. That's funny. It definitely sounds interesting for sure. Yeah. My next one is an author that I had been wanting to read and I never had, and that's John Grisham. Oh, so I nice. read the Pelican Brief. And that's the Julie Roberts movie. Yes. Um, and I had actually never seen the movie either. Really? Right. Because, I, I don't know, I'm not a, despite the movies that we talk about, I'm not a big movie person. Mm. Um, my husband says I have the movie taste of a 14-year-old girl, <laughs> which probably is, is about accurate. So I read The Pelican Brief. I had never read any John Grisham before. And I've always wanted to because everyone talks about, you know, his stuff and he's very prolific. I was intrigued by this book. Um, I thought it was a quick read for me. Uh-huh. Um, I think it took me two or three days, maybe max. Basically, the premise is two Supreme Court judges are assassinated. Ooh, all right. Right. And everyone's trying to figure out who did it. Well, a law student at Tulane, um, which is in New Orleans, which made me really, really want to visit New Orleans because <laughs> um, they talk about all the places. You just want to go to that beignet place again. Oh, right, but that's where I got engaged. That's oh. true. It's so wonderful. She has a theory, um, and she writes a brief, because she's a law student, so she writes a a brief. Well, she's sleeping with her professor. Nice. So he knows a guy that works in Washington, D.C. as a lawyer at one of the big things or whatever. So he gives it to his buddy, who gives it to the FBI, who gives it to the CIA. And so the CIA eventually, or the FBI, I think that it's a joke, um, they're like, this can't, this is so far-fetched, it can't be true. Sure. So the president and the president's crony sees it. Like his, um, what's it called? His like chief of staff? Yeah, the president's okay. chief of staff sees it. And he sees how if it ever was true, or if it was ever leaked to the press or whatever, mm-hmm. that it would look really, really bad for the president. Smart. Right. So um, they're kind of investigating it a little bit okay um the president chief of staff asks the fbi to back off of that theory okay which is illegal um obstruction of justice basically but then the professor and julia roberts they're having dinner he's an alcoholic they get in a fight he gets in the car she's like i'm not getting in the car with you and the car blows up car bomb so the professor's been killed so it's the story follows who's trying to kill her. Obviously, the the brief is true. Okay. So what does it say? Wow. And then a reporter, Gray Grantham, who plays played by Denzel Washington in the in the Ooh. movie, he f- picks up on the story and he meets up with Julie Roberts. They track down leads. They prove conclusively that her story, her brief, is correct. And then they run the story. 
Um, wow. And it's about the fallout. It's about what actually happened. Who did this? What all of this happened? And it was really, it was adorable. I thought it was intriguing and suspenseful. And it was an interesting premise. And I just, I really enjoyed it. Wow. Yeah. I have never been more interested in John Grisham. Right. I didn't, I, I've never picked him up before at all, but I really enjoyed this one. That sounds really, really mm-hmm. cool. And I, I watched the movie after I read it. Uh, and I really enjoyed that too. Did it c- compare? It was fairly close. Obviously, okay. there's some things. Um, they added some scenes. They took out some scenes. In the book, there's a bit of a romance connection uh-huh. between Gray and her name escapes me at this moment. Okay. Julie Darby. Roberts. Darby Shaw. Okay. okay. So her name is Darby Shaw. And there's a romance element in that. But in the movie, the movie was in the 90s-ish, uh-huh. and Denzel Washington, I've heard, did not want to portray an interracial relationship on screen. So they cut that out. Weird. Um, the book is not an interracial gotcha. relationship. The book is, is they're both white. Sure. Um, and it's it really doesn't factor into it or whatever, but mm-hmm. I just heard that the reason they changed that is because Denzel Washington has never, and if you think about it, he has never been involved in an interracial relationship in one of his movies. That's weird. Yeah. Huh. It was very intriguing for me to learn that. Huh. Yeah. All but right. um John Grisham, good job. I mean I guess there's a reason why people are reading your I stuff. Know. He's got crap loads of books. Right. I will probably continue to read him and hmm. and follow up on that. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. I had no idea what the Pelican Brief was about, so that's hella interesting. Yeah. So all I really right. enjoyed it. My next one is probably another one that I'm like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> so, I, it was a struggle after Mister Rogers. I just I couldn't. <laughs> right, everything was just downhill from there, right? <laughs> so this one is The Magicians by Lev Grossman. Now I love fantasy novels i love i love magical stuff in my books like i i love all that so this has been on my radar for a really long time so i waited until all the books were out and i saw that there's now a tv show yeah there's a lot of buzz about this one right now i've been seeing lots of people talk about the books and the show yeah so i was like now's a good time I got the book from the library. So it starts off with Quentin. He's a senior in high school. So of course, they're talking about college. Where's he going to go? He's kind of just blah with life. So as most people coming out of high school are. Right. So he goes to meet someone to talk about they're an alumni from some college. He goes to meet with them to kind of get some information about the college and all that. He goes and the guy is dead. Not. And it seems like he just died from a heart attack. But when he goes, the paramedics that show up, she hands him something. Quentin is obsessed with these childhood books that are kind of similar to the Chronicles of Narnia. It's these British children that walk through a clock and end up in this magical world. So it's very much like Narnia and stuff like that. So he loves these books. He reads them. There are five of them. The paramedic hands him a folder. When he opens it, it's the Book of Fillory, book six. And he's like, what is this? What's going on? When he's leaving this house, he ends up dropping it and trying to chase after it. It takes him to this world. And he goes through like the portal to the world. Not really. Okay. It takes him to a hidden magical college. Oh. They have found that he has magical abilities they're testing him to see if he has enough magical or he has enough magic inside of him to become a magician 
So this book, it goes very, very fast. He gets accepted into this college. He goes through all the years of the college and graduates by the middle of the book. Oh, wow. I was expecting it to be like Harry Potter, like one book for Uh every year in college. No, No. it's very fast. So by the halfway through the book, he is graduated. He is done. So he and the friends that he's made in college are all all kind of shacking up in New York City. They've all got lofts and stuff with all their magic money so they can afford all this stuff. All right. He's kind of just like, well, I'm a magician, but now what? One of his old buddies shows up. They haven't seen him in years. He shows up and he's like, guys, you know those books that we loved? They're real oh that's cool so they they find a way to get to this fillery place and it's nothing like what they expected i read the first book it's a trilogy and i have not picked up the second one yet i know you were struggling at the beginning of this one you, you were telling me. well it, i got through school and that was great but then after they graduate there's like maybe 20 or 30 pages where nothing happens he's just like oh woe is me i'm a magician but i don't know what to do with my life and blah mm-hmm. blah blah and i'm just like can we can we get can we get Going. Back to the story. Yeah. So it took me a while to get through this just because right in the middle, it kind of just stalled. But once like they get to Fillory in this magical world, like it's like, oh, okay, like shit's going down. It was really interesting once I kind of got through that slow point. Mm-hmm. So I am going to continue it because it did kind of leave on kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Cliffhanger. It did end on kind of a cliffhanger. So I do want to finish it or at least continue on to the second book just because mm-hmm. I do want to see how it goes. And I do want to watch the show. So I want to kind of finish these mm-hmm. first. So we'll see. I I liked it. I gave it either two or three stars. I don't remember. But it didn't It didn't quite grab me like mm-hmm. some of the other kind the, of fantasy books that I read. The way people were talking about yeah. it, it grabbed them. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, that for sure. My this is the last book that I have that I've read this year because, like I said, we we've talked about a lot of the other ones that I've done already. Yeah, but I actually just finished this one last night. Ooh, um, and this is it was 170 pages. So it was super super quick, super easy read. And this is Every Heart a Doorway, and that is by Shan Shannon Shannon McGuire. This cover is really neat. It is really neat. And it's actually, it's a series. And I've only read the first one. This is the Wayward Children series. Oh, I didn't know it was a series. It was so cool. Essentially, if you think about all of the fairy tale characters that have gone through portals to other worlds, like Narnia and Alistair the Looking Glass and and go down the rabbit hole and all that. Mm -hmm. Think about when they come home. Right. What, how do you move on with your life? (laughs) You're so depressed. Right. So... Basically, these are teenagers who have traveled through other worlds and they come home and they have to figure out how to deal with reality. Oh. Um, and their parents basically think they're crazy. So they send them to this home for wayward children, which is a cover up for the head lady actually herself was one of the children who traveled through worlds. Wow. And it's a place where they're all together and they all talk about their experiences. Um, and there's actually two they talk about in the book there's two separate schools one for people who loved their travels and went to places that they enjoyed and one for people who hated their travels wow and so the this book was about the people who loved their travels huh um and it follows basically this group of couple of people because there are murders that start happening at the school and it's about figuring out who the murderer is and it's about their little stories about where they've been what their worlds were like and I just thought it was really cute. It was inventive. It was whimsical. It was really easy to read. But also on another level, there is discussions of things that are not normally in books. Like one of the characters went to his fairyland mm-hmm. as a princess 
and came back as a prince. So he didn't want to be a girl anymore. He wanted to be a boy. Wow. And I loved the gender fluidity that they're talking about in this. Yeah. And then there's another character who is asexual. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that. And it's not something that you hear no. in books ever talked about. Um, and, and it wasn't like emphasized for the plot. It was mm-hmm. just part of the story, just sure. part of their narrative, normal completely understandable and accepting and i just i loved it i thought it was adorable i mm. i went through it so fast because i really enjoyed it so good yeah did you get that from a library or do you own it no i actually i had a free thing for amazon uh. um like a ten dollar gift card so mm-hmm. i downloaded it on my kindle and read mm. it last night it just <laughs> and it's honestly in a few hours and i just i thought it was I thought it was really, really, really cute. Um, that sounds super cute. And just the premise of it. Um, and I, I only gave it three stars because mm-hmm. I wanted so much more. Sure. Um, but since it's a series, like. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I'll go back and, and pick up the series. But the, I feel like maybe it's going to be one of those series where each book follows a different character. Because mm, okay. it kind of was wrapped up a little bit at, oh, at the end okay. of this book from the main character that they're following her name is nancy um and she had been to the world with the lord of the dead Ooh, yeah that sounds cool do you know if it's a finished series i actually do not know that Mm. because i I didn't even know anything about it until i was looking at um we've talked about ann bogle's podcast Mm -hmm. before what should i read next Mm -hmm. i was looking at her blog modern Mm -hmm. mrs darcy and it was on there as one that is like a quick read and i was like oh that's really cool and so I just, I downloaded it and I went through it so quick. That's cool. I've seen the book in stores mm-hmm. or whatever, but I've never just picked it up to see what it was about. So that right. sounds really cool. Yeah. And it's, it's got a really pretty cover, but I was just like, oh, that's brilliant. Because you think what happened to Alice when she came home? What'd right. she do? How'd she live her life? In this boring world that right. now is no longer home. Really. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was really cool. That's- I loved it. That's really interesting. Okay, I've read a few more, so I'm just going to try to quickly go through these. Uh, The first one, I'm so sorry to the author. I'm going to try really hard to pronounce this right. It's My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyenken Braithwaite. She's Nigerian, so I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. I'm so, so sorry if I just completely killed that name. So this is a super interesting premise. Y'all know I like weird stuff. Y'all know I'm interested in serial killers and stuff like that. And so this is two sisters. One is very practical, very straightforward in her life. She's She's got a goal. She's got plans. She's going to do them and she's just going to live her life. Her sister is the beautiful one, the one that gets her way, the one that has men fawning over her all the time. And she just happens to be a serial killer. So I think her, the practical sister, I believe her name is pronounced Coretti. It's K-O-R-E-D-E. I think it's Coretti. Um, And her beautiful sister is Ayula. Ayula, it opens up with Ayula is just called Coretti. And she's like, hey, I just killed another one. Can you please come and help me clean it up? Oh, wow. Coretti is a nurse. So she knows exactly what to do to get to get blood out of things, to make sure the place is spotless, all of that. Oh, wow. So Coretti is not fine with it, but she's just kind of made peace with it because family is family. And she's not going to turn her sister in. Right. However, one day, Ayula shows up at Coretti's hospital where she works and starts flirting with the doctor that Coretti is in love with. Oh. She keeps her secrets until, until they start dating. Uh-oh. And then she doesn't she's mess like, with her man. Right. So it's just like, what do you do? Do you still protect your sister because your sister is your sister? Or do you 
try to protect the doctor that you are you've been in love with for years so she thinks that the the sister's gonna murder the doctor yes oh because that's what she does ayula will oh, that's her mo yeah she'll she'll get guys to just fall in love with her and then when she's tired of them kind of like a black widow scenario yes nice. So it's super interesting. So I got this from the library and it was a huge buzz on Bookstagram and all of that. And it it was brand new, hardback. I get it. And it's like six inches tall. (laughs) I was like, is this the joke? (laughs) It was so tiny. So it's like 180 pages or something like that. Super quick read. I gave it three stars just because I personally did not like how it ended. Oh, I hate when books are like that. I know. I I loved the premise, but I just don't agree with how how the decisions were made and all mm-hmm. of that. But it's a really cool book, like super interesting. I don't think I've read a book that was set in Nigeria before. So if you're doing a yeah, that's really cool. if you're doing a book challenge and you need a place that you've never been or someone that's not like you, this will be a perfect that's book really, to read like that. Really cool. But yeah, it was super interesting. I thought it was kind of cool. I've not had, I've not read a book like that where it's like, oh, my family member is a serial killer kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that was really interesting. So my next book is going to (laughs) be, it's called Hey Ladies. (laughs) All right. It's Hey Ladies, a story of eight best friends, one year, and way too many emails. And it's by Michelle Markowitz. So this is kind of, making fun it's like satire so it's making fun of how women when we're talking to a group of women it's always like hey ladies let's talk about what we're planning and Uh all of that so it's a bit tropey yes so it's satire it follows eight women it starts on new year's day and it follows them until new year's eve and it's there there are all different kinds of women one is just engaged so all she's talking about is her wedding there's the one that has lots of money and just expects everyone to kind of get on their level of wealth so that they can all do the same things like Mm -hmm. she'll they'll be talking about like oh we should start a a book club and she's like okay i went ahead and ordered the book that we were talking about in a hardback you all i'll send you a venmo (laughs) to you owe me this much money and like and then one is always broke so she's like can i actually pay you back in forever 21 gift cards <laughs> <laughs> they're all different one is like a super introverted book nerd like she doesn't want to go clubbing with them she just wants to sit at home and read and play board games that and sounds all that. amazing right so it follows these girls and once one bec- gets engaged she asks them all to be bridesmaids and it's just this crazy year of bridesmaids dresses oh it's going to be oscar de la renta so your dress is going to be twelve hundred dollars if you want to just mail that in that'd be great and it's just it's insanity and it was like watching a train wreck because i not i didn't necessarily love the book but it's just like but i gotta know what happens right like it was kind of ridiculous the sat like the sarcasm in is fantastic I thought at first with eight different women, like it's all in emails, text messages, all of that. Oh, so cool. it's never just this is what's happening. It's mm-hmm. always an email. So I thought at first that it would be really hard to differentiate all eight different women. But it gets to the point where it's like it's not even it's not mm-hmm. even a big deal. You totally follow. And it was funny. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and the end is just like, are you guys kidding? Like, you guys are nuts. Like, you <laughs> all are insane. Right. And I also learned a thing. Um, You know, there's, there's Uber and there's Lyft and all of that. Did you know there's also Uber helicopter? No. Yeah. One of the girls is... 
I need to obtain more money. I know. One of the girls is an Instagram. Like she's, what is it called when you've got all these Insta followers and all of that? And so your brand is your Instagram account. So you you do ads for stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And she's like this crazy hippie person that just thinks that if you think it, it will happen. And you should sign up for my my talk, my TED talk on this. And and she's ridiculous. Well, they're all going up to the Hamptons for the summer. And she's like, don't worry. I'm just going to helicopter lift my way up there. I'll meet you there. It's, oh it's ridiculous. That's so <laughs> it was, it was weird, but a podcaster that I like recommended it. I am glad I read it cause, just because it was funny. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it was making fun of these ridiculous people mm-hmm. that are out there. So I thought that was That's funny. Cool. My next one, I talked about it a couple of episodes ago. It's Parkland by Dave Cullen. So this will be out. Well, by the time you listen to this, this will be out for a week now. It comes out on the 12th. It follows the kids after the Parkland shooting. It comes out almost to the day a year after. It happened on uh, February 14th, 2018. Mm-hmm. So Dave Cullen wrote Columbine. He's kind of like the journalist of school shootings, which is horrific. It's a terrible job, but he's good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So it starts with the evening after the shooting. One of the kids is, he works with, it's this ama- like huge public school. So they have journalism classes and stuff like that. So one of the kids takes journalism class And so he rides his bike back to the school where all the newscasters are and everything and starts working himself as a journalist. Mm -hmm. So it starts the evening of the shooting and it follows them from February until December. Dave Cullen actually flew down to Florida, went to the kids when they set up their office and they did the March for Our Lives. The March for Our Lives was actually the fourth largest protest in American history. Oh, that's awesome. It's really cool. So he went to them to their offices. He sat in on their meetings. He had all of their phone numbers. They were constantly texting. There was so much information. But what I love about it, it was so different from Columbine because the book Columbine was a plethora of knowledge about the actual incident. Parkland is about how the kids were fighting back after the fact. So it was so interesting. And what I loved about it, it gave the kids their chance to kind of not necessarily give their side of the story, but you kind of got to see the behind the scenes of the Mm -hmm. March for Our Lives program. And you follow them and you kind of get their perspective. So I didn't know this, but Parkland is kind of a a wealthier part of Florida. So -hmm. the kids that are there all have money. Their families Mm -hmm. have money. Most of them and their parents are all Republicans. So when the March for for Our Lives started, all the Republicans were saying that these kids are trying to take our guns and all that. When in... Obviously. Sure. When reality, they were just trying to fight for better gun laws. Mm -hmm. When they started out, of course, Democrats are like, yeah, they're Democrats. And the kids were like, we are not taking sides. Mm -hmm. We are not one party or the other. We just want sensible gun laws. We just don't want to die. Yeah. It was so, so interesting. When the kids started, after they got out of school in May, they did a, I think it was called, crap, I can't remember what it's called, but during the summer, they went on a big bus tour. They split up the kids. Some kids went to here, some kids went there, and they oh, toured the cool. entire country and had different rallies in different cities. In Utah, this disgusted me. In Utah and in Texas, 
people showed up holding assault weapons because it's open carry, uh, it's an open carry state. So these kids that had been shot at had people showing up at their rallies holding assault weapons wow. to try to intimidate them. Wow. And it made my stomach churn. Right. Like what's going wrong in your life that you're trying to intimidate teenagers? That have just been shot at and they're what? just trying to fight for better laws. They're not taking away your stupid guns. So without trying to be political or anything, I just, I thought it was so fascinating just to see the inner workings of these kids. Mm -hmm. Like, because the kids in Columbine, it was in the mid nineties and they, they didn't have the social media and they didn't have the internet and stuff that we've, we've, our access to is just an everyday thing now. Mm -hmm. And so to see just the difference in two very similar tragedies and how two very different ways that they go about healing. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. I absolutely recommend it. The author never names the shooter, oh, wow. never speaks about what literally happened in the school mm -hmm. itself. It's just about how the kids move on oh, and try cool. to fight. So, so good. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Okay, my final book that I read is actually, we just talked about Ann Bogle. It's her little essay collection. It's I'd Rather Be Reading by oh, Ann Bogle. I did not know she did that. That's awesome. It's super, super cute. It's really little kind of gift kind of book. And the front Aww. cover is actually a watercolor painting of her own little library in her oh, home. That's amazing. So, so cute. So it's just a really short, tiny essay book. And it gives kind of perspective into her life, like in reading her life when she first got married when she were when she was a kid and her dad used to take her to the bookstore Aww. when she and her husband got married and moved into their very first home together they were literally next door to the library oh wow i would lose my mind right <laughs> and so i'm there she, enough as it is <laughs> i know so it's so so cute it's just little essays talking about different book instances in her life and now that she's this big time blogger and podcaster it talks about meeting with people that have different reading habits different uh, reading types and all that it's just it was yes thank you <laughs> different reading preferences it was so cute super short but it's I got it like half off at a book sale oh, nice. and it's it's just adorable well, I'm gonna cool. keep it forever just I want to check that out yeah, I'll let you borrow it. I it's, value her insight on books a lot. Yeah, she's a fantastic, like, she gives amazing suggestions mm -hmm. and all of that. So that's all. That's all my books. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Susie definitely reads faster than I do, so she's made it through a few more. But like I said, we've covered a lot of the ones that I read already this year. Like, I, I think I've read eight books this year. Mm -hmm. um, so we've talked about pretty much all of them. And then on next week's episode, we're doing an episode on a buddy read. So we're going to read Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to both read that and then we're going to spend the whole episode talking about that book. Yeah, so if you have time this week, go ahead and check it out so you'll know what we're talking about and then feel free to send us messages like wherever you can yes. so we can talk about it because right. I love talking about books with other people. And this one is actually a nonfiction. I um, didn't so know that. Just a heads up on that and it's by John Brend. Brent. So if, yeah, if you have you have a chance, grab that one. That way you'll be on the same page as we are because we're going to spend the whole next episode talking about that book. So excited. Yes. We have we told ourselves that we wouldn't talk to each other about it. And she's the only person that I talk about books with. <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh, I just got to this part. Oh, my God. We're kind of dying here. <laughs> but um, we really do, again, appreciate you um, listening, keeping up with us. And it means a lot to us. We are now available pretty much on every podcast platform so absolutely go check us out and again thanks for listening thanks for listening bye